So after reading Psalm 18, 25 through 30, David kind of describes for us a little bit of the characteristics of God. So in order to, to, to talk about the characteristics of God, what that leads you to is, is once you begin to understand who God is, and I always recommend this for young Christians and for everybody really, you have got to know, get to know your Lord. The only way for you to do that, you just don't inherit that. But once you read through the Gospels, especially starting in the Gospel of John, because John has the most intimate look at Jesus, but then read through all the corresponding Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you begin to understand Jesus. And just like your spouse or someone who you're very close to, you can understand how they would respond to certain situations because you intimately know them. The same can be said about your relationship with Christ. The more you pray, the, more, the longer you're a Christian, the more the Holy Spirit begins to minister to your heart and life. The more you read the Word, you begin to know who Jesus is and how He would respond to certain things. So you begin to learn how you should live based on how Christ lived and became our living example for us to live. So from this arises a lot of questions from people today. Uh, since all this began with my brother, as I was saying, it's brought me a lot of tremendous opportunities to witness to people. And I would have thought people would have been, you know, ministering to me. But God said, no, we're, we're going to open up lines of ministry. And, and every time uh, something like this goes on, either, especially in Kentucky, God always opens doors up. And people begin asking a lot of questions. And with, with the, the, the phone call that I got, the several phone calls that I've had, the many times I've gotten to minister to people over the past couple of weeks, I'm going to bring about some of the most popular questions that I get asked. And we're going to address those biblically. Because what you think don't matter. And I really want you to understand that. That sounds kind of harsh, but it, it really is truthful. God isn't interested in your opinion on things. He's interested in you being obedient to His commands. His commands are very easy to understand and to discern. God, doesn't, God respects that you have your own mind and your own thoughts on things, okay? But when it comes to Christianity and following God, it's not open for discussion. It's not open for debate. He spoke, you do. That's how it's supposed to be. Okay, it's that simple, really. People make it hard. And that's where denominations come from. People want to try to interpret the word based on how it best fits them. And that's how a denomination becomes into existence. I studied all this out in Bible college. I can almost tell you every one of them. Who's right? Is it the General Baptist, the Primitive Baptist, the Free Will Baptist? The, uh, is it the Anabaptists? Is it the Mountain Assembly? Is it the Holiness Church? Is it the First Church of God? Is it the uh, Who's right? Where does all that come from? Well, it comes from people not letting the Word bend and break them. They try to bend and break the Word to fit themselves. And that's not what God wants from us, okay? It's very simply put. The Scripture is very simply written, and it was written by very simple men who was inspired by the Holy Spirit in which the Bible says a child could understand. 
We try to make it difficult, but it's not difficult. It's very easy, okay? And so when people ask a lot of the questions, it's because they've just not, either they've not read the Word or they don't really know the Word, or they, they haven't spent a whole lot of time because the world is a very distracting place, folks. We're all involved in it. And there's nobody better than anybody else. But you've got a family, you've got a life, you've got bills to pay, you've got work, you've got to deal with people at work, you've got to deal with your husband, you've got to deal with your wife, you've got to deal with your kids, you've got all this stuff going on in your life. And then somewhere in between all that, you try to squeeze God in. And actually, it should be just the exactly, exact opposite of that. Your life should be all God, and then you squeeze life in. Let's see, we get it all backwards. And so God is pressing us for time, and He wants time from you and to spend with you. You're God's ambassador to the world. The world's only chance will come through you and the ministry of the Holy Spirit through you to a lost and dying world. But there's two things wrong here. You can't know yourself to help yourself if you don't know the Word, and you darn sure ain't going to be able to help anybody else if you don't know the Word. So it's irresponsible of, of churches, pastors, to not teach people the Word of God. To get, get up there and preach fuzzy sermons all the time is great. And to, and to give you a Joel Osteen, you're the greatest person in the world, it's fantastic. But that's not what God wants from you. It's not all about you. God saved you to save others. Do you understand it? I want to tell you what your mission is in life. Your mission is to take the message to other people. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That is your calling in life. If you don't know what your calling is, I just told you. People meander through the world as a Christian even. And they meander for a lifetime. Just like, a, just like sheep do. With, with, no, with no cause or purpose. They just eat whatever is around them in the field that they're currently in. And they meander. Well, that's not what God saved you for. God saved you, yes, because He loves you and He wants you to go to heaven. But you, the message doesn't stop there. He saved you so that you can now minister to other people. And you're supposed to do this through your local church. As well as in personal evangelism. Okay? If you tithe to the church and ministry is done in the church, God gets the glory. When we collectively give and we collectively do things as a church, no one person gets the glory for that. That's why the church is such an important entity. When you tithe and we have money left over, and, and that's difficult because there's so few of us, but when, there, when you tithe, you not only provide a place, a safe place for people to come and worship the Lord, which is a very much so a necessity so we can teach the Word, but it also is a, there should be outreach ministries going on in people's lives to where God can get the glory through that. Okay, takes you out of the equation. Okay, and gives it all to God. So some, some questions that people tend to ask me, and it always, uh, the, these opportunities always arise from a conversation that ensues and questions that get asked, and then God begins to anoint me during that conversation, and then the Word begins to flow, and people then are able to hear the Word of God. Not Pastor Jay, but the Word of God. That's what people need, and they need that from you too. 
They don't need your thoughts on why fish market in China is as expensive as it is. It doesn't matter. They need the Word. It's the Word that will save people, not you. Okay? So, here's one that I, I typically get asked. Yeah, I'm saved, but I've slipped away from God. What do I do about that? But I'm, I'm saved. My, my thought automatically, and I just was recently just told this by someone. I know that I've slipped away. I said, I want you to stop right there. And I said, I don't want you to live not one second more. I want you to immediately repent and ask God for forgiveness. Because if you were truly saved, that's got to be tearing you apart that you are not connected with God anymore. Um, Satan will give you every single reason in the world to put that process off. Tom, he'll do it every time. He'll give you a reason to, to not make things right with him. He'll give you distractions. He'll give you all these kinds of things going on. But the scripture says this, behold, it says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, now is the accepted time. Okay. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now. So immediately my, my thought goes to these people. My, my response becomes, okay, let's stop right now because you've admitted with your own mouth that you are no longer connected with God, that you're in a backslidden state. Okay, there's either one or two things going on with you, person. Okay, you're either never was saved or you are, are heavily distracted and in a backslidden state and your heart is becoming cauterized to the will and working of God in your heart. And if you want to go to heaven, you better make it right with God. And you better stop what you're doing right now. Let's have prayer. Okay? The, the, the key word in this is surrender. People have to learn to surrender. I know you, you've got so much stuff going on in your life. I know that. Okay? I, I get that. God knows that. You've got more things going on in your lives. The, the few people sitting in this church, you've got a lot of stuff going on in your life. I know that. Things that I don't even know about, probably. And you might even have secret sins and things going on that you don't want anybody to know about. I know that. I'm aware of that. But you've got to surrender to God. It is absolutely essential that you take your whole life and you surrender it. You give it to God. That is such an important word to always remember is, is that you surrender everything to God. Uh, in, in other words, you've got to learn, and this is my conversation and my reply to this person that's in the backslidden state or feels like they've drifted away from God. You've got to go back and you've got to trust God with everything you are. I mean everything. Even your life. You've got to trust Him with your kids. You've got to trust Him with your grandkids. You've got to trust Him with your work and with your finances. You've got to trust Him with your own life. And you've got to surrender that. Okay, You have to put God first in every single thing. And you have got to surrender it. If you're backslidden and you've walked out on God, what that's essentially saying is you're putting everything else in front of that relationship. Okay, you, you, God is an afterthought is what that person was telling me. And I told, told this person that. I said, God has become an afterthought to you. Everything else is, the, is in the forefront. 
But that's exactly opposite of what Jesus said that we have to do. God can't be the afterthought. Remember that. To the backslidden person, you need to make it right now, today, not wait. Now, hit your knees, ask God to forgive you, come into your life and heart to to rededicate you and give you a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit and walk in the love and truth of God. There's nothing like it. Okay? You can't put anything before Him. One of the other things I'm typically asked, question that I'm asked, is I have friends that are not saved and, you know, I like to hang out with them, but I feel like sometimes I don't fit in or, or convicted with, by what they do, but I've got these friends that I like to hang out with that are not saved. And I'm going to tell you and to the people listening to this on this recording, this is going to sound very harsh, but you need to get the heck away from them. That sounds very unchristian. I know this. But the Bible says, it tells us, and I've got some scriptures I'm going to be reading to you, that you have to separate yourself from people like that. Yes, we are in the world. You're going to go to work tomorrow, and you're going to be with all kinds of people of different faiths and beliefs, and you can't help that. The Bible says you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Okay? Now, here's the key component for Christian living. When people ask me, should I keep friends that are not saved? I tell to you, no. No. I don't care how long you've known them. That is a sacrifice that you have to make. This is a biblical, I'm going to show you, show you, you in the Bible where it says for you to do that. If, and that includes family. This is why Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth, but a sword that will divide families. Father from son, son to father, daughter. This is exactly why. It's because you will eventually fall when you bring into your friendship, when you bring into the closeness of your heart, when you bring people into your inner circle of your life, you're putting your amen and stamp of approval on who they are, and you begin to accept that as being okay with you. Well, it's not okay. You got to drop them. That's, I know that sounds terrible. That is the way it is. Now you say, well, well, Pastor Jay, tell me more about this. Well, the Bible says, Evil communications corrupts good manners. I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read you some. And now, now this is out of, uh, I really, truly do like this, uh, the new century version. I, this, this, this was a good, it really brought out some good meaning. And I'm going to read you some scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. You are not the same as those who do not believe. So do not join yourselves to them. Now let let me repeat that. It didn't make any stipulations there, now did it? It didn't say your son, your daughter, or anybody. It just said, listen to this, you are not the same as those who do not believe. 
So do not join yourselves to them. Good and bad do not belong together. Light and darkness cannot share together. How can Christ and Belial, the devil, have any agreement? What can a believer have together with a non-believer? The temple of God cannot have agreement with idols, and we are the temple of the, of the living God. As God said, I will live with them and walk with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, I really loved how this version brought, it, it amplified the meaning. What is this saying? You already have, to the person that asked me this question about unsaved friends and family, you already have a fallen nature about you. You, yes, you are saved. Okay? The scripture says you died to sin, but sin doesn't die to you. It still has the capability of causing you to backslide. It still has the capability of, 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 of causing you to withdraw from your relationship with God. The more you put yourself around people of darkness, they stimulate the darkness that is in you. You already are fighting against yourself. The Bible says we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in high places. We have a spiritual warfare going on even within our own self to control ourselves. Let's not give the, de de the devil all the credit here. I'm talking about your inner struggle to live for Christ against your own fallen nature. Okay? So when you go and you try to tackle your own fallen nature and then you go put yourself around fallen people, you're going to lose. One, you're already doing you're already being disobedient to the word of God. And when you walk in disobedience to God, God doesn't have the responsibility to help you with that. Because you're doing it on your own and you know better. So you will fall. Do you know, over the 30 years of preaching and pastoring, how many people that I have seen fall? I've seen 20 times more fall than saved. Because it's highly more like... How is that biblically correct? The Bible says hell enlarges itself every day. The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction and many enter in thereat, but narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. There are more people going to hell than heaven. I'm just telling you, that's what the Bible says. There's no other way to skin that. I know people don't like hearing that, but that this is a biblical truth. I'm not telling you Pastor Jay's truth. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm just telling you that's what the Bible says. Jesus said that. So the probability of people going to hell versus heaven, there's a higher probability, statistically speaking, that people are going to go to hell. Well, you don't want to be one of those people. So keep your life right. Don't join yourself to unbelievers. You can't do that. They will pull you down. There is no fellowship that Jesus has with the devil. Can you see? Here, here, here is a, a good look at your life. When, when you're saved and you keep friends that are not saved, it'd be like Jesus and the devil hanging out. 
How many people think that happens? Okay, that's not right, right? Well, that's exactly what you're doing. Because Christ lives in you. And I want to read this again because this amplifies this. Now, now that I've explained it like that, listen to this and compare it to what I just told you. You are not the same as those who do not believe. 1 Corinthians six fourteen. So do not join yourselves to them. Some version says don't become unequally yoked. Like a horse that has a yoke around its neck. Well, a lot of people don't understand country stuff like that. So I love this. Listen, good and bad do not belong together. Light and darkness cannot share together. How can Christ and the devil have any agreement? How can you bring people into your life and bring them into your inner circle and you know that they're not Christians and yet you're okay with that? How can what they bring to the table of your inner circle of your life cause you to be a better Christian? And if you're so proud to think that your friendship with them is going to save them, you're a fool. Because you've, you've just played into the devil's game. I'm just telling you that right now. The devil's working more on you than you are them. I've been around this longer than anybody in this room. And I'm telling you, it's never worked that way. I've never seen it that way. I've always seen the Christian fall. Never did I say. It's just like when people get married. You got a Christian woman and an unsaved man. Oh, Pastor Jay, I'm going to pray for him every day. Yeah, and guess what happens? I never see her again. Because it don't work. It will get to you too. You, that's why the Bible continues, continuously tells you to pull yourself away. Pull yourself away. Why? Why does the Bible tell you that? Because God knows more than you know. Listen to this. Verse 17. I'm going to keep reading this. The temple of God cannot have any agreement with idols, for we are the living temple of God. As God says, I'll walk with them and I'll be their God and they my people. Then it says right here in verse 17, leave those people and be separate, says the Lord. Touch nothing that is unclean and I will accept you. Let me read that again because I love this amplified version of this. Leave those people. Be separate, says the Lord. Also, this is found in Isaiah and Ezekiel. Isaiah 52 and 11 and Ezekiel 20, 34 and 41. And I will accept you. He says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So talking to this person that has unsaved friends and, and they're trying to get along, they're trying to go along to get along and all that other stuff. First John, this says, <clears throat> this is what this says. First John chapter two, verses 15 through 17 says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. 
If you love the world, the love of the Father, God, is not in you. The world. Unsaved people and and people that are not Christians represent their love of the world. And your attraction to them will, will lead you to love the same things. Perhaps drinking. Doing drugs. Cursing. Telling the dirty jokes. All those things that will begin to attach themselves to you. You know. He says, if you love the world, the love of God is not in you. These are the ways of the world, colon. Wanting to please your sinful selves, one. Wanting the sinful things we see, two. And being too proud proud of what we have. Being a boastful person over what God has done for you. And then almost giving the credit to how great the world is that's fallen that God says that you shouldn't love. John says, none of these comes from the Father, but all of them come from the world. And then he goes on to say, the world and everything that people want in it are passing away. But the person who does not want, uh, who does not, uh, what God wants lives forever. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good manners. Other version says evil communications corrupts good manners. Again, the book of Corinthians, who gives us a lot of correct doctrinal living, tells us. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, I'm bringing you all kinds of scriptures that tells you you shouldn't do this. But ultimately, I'm going to have people come to me and refute this with me. I will have that person that I'm having this conversation with, even though I give them all these scriptures and you got all these scriptures telling you the same thing, yet they're going to come up with a gray area technicality that they say, well, that's why I should be able to do that. Okay, then it goes on to say in the book of Matthew, chapter seven, verse six, don't give holy things to dogs. Dogs are unbelievers. Gentiles, opposite of the faith. And don't throw your pearls before pigs. Pigs will only trample on them and dogs will turn and attack you. Okay, you get the picture? Don't take your holy self that God has saved and throw it in the mud with the pigs out there and let them trample your soul and filth it and, 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 and give it filth, put filth all over it. I don't know how many of y'all have ever been to a pig farm. I used to work on one. They're, they're stinking disgusting. You take them husks and throw them out there, and I used to hit them. I'd, I'd throw them. You know, let's see which pig I could hit. And I'd, and then it would land in the mud and then it'd eat it. That same mud it was using the bathroom and it was up to its haunches. And they're disgusting animals. God says that's the picture. This is Jesus talking. So this is God saying what this looks like 
when you take and start putting yourself in worldly companionship. It looks like a pig farm to God. And it stinks to high heaven. You can smell it from miles off. Proverbs then goes on. Proverbs 13.20 Spend time with wise and you will become wise. But the friends of fools will suffer. Proverbs 13.20 Now I could, I could spend the rest of this service bringing up other scriptures that coincide with you not having ungodly friends. You have to work out there. There are people that you know. You have family members. But listen, the people that you're going to bring into your life, that you're going to call friends, that you're going to hang out with, don't let it be the world. Because you're walking in disobedience. Be obedient. Now, the last one I'm going to talk about in this particular sermon is, and I just had this conversation uh, with a person just last night even. I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I said, stop right there because that don't exist. I said, let me stop you right there. Actually, she was talking about herself and a friend. I said, it took me five seconds to answer that now, didn't it? Christians go to church, folks. That's just all there is to it. Because when you truly get saved and the Holy Spirit comes in you, you have a desire to go to the house of God. It is built in. There is no such thing as a Christian who doesn't enjoy the house of the Lord and the fellowship of believers. It just doesn't exist. Have you ever seen it in your saved life? It don't exist. Because God tells us, and I'm going to read this to you, to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's not a recommendation. That's a, that's a stinking command. You are not going to get this in the world. And you're not going to be able to get this same thing from a radio broadcast. Or listening to Caleb of all things. It just doesn't work that way because God said you need to be together with other believers in the house of the Lord. So I told this person, I said, listen, I'm going to stop you right there. Ain't no Christian that says that they don't like going to church. I said either they were a Christian and they've backslidden or they are not a Christian at all. I said, just let me stop you right there. I said, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, you should not stay away from the church meetings. This is that scripture I just quoted to you. As some are doing but you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the days coming. The end days. As you see things getting worse and worse in the world, that's when you should be flocking to the church house. Okay? So I, I told this lady on the phone last night, I said, how is it that you can see the world right now, right now and all of its upheaval and the abnormal has become the normal and the insane has become the, the, the everyday. And, and it makes you not want to go to the house of the Lord where you can get some sanity and some truth and the anointing and some preaching and, and maybe a, a hot mocha latte, slatte, frate before church. 
Or you might get lucky and some great cook of the church might have some kind of a little nibble out there laying on the table before you come into the sanctuary. I said, who in the world? I said, Rich hits our candy jar every day. Who wouldn't want, who wouldn't want that? See, I see. I'm going to set, I'm going to have a coffee pot next Sunday out there and we're going to have ourselves a coffee bar. Just black coffee, that's it. Yeah. Okay, so again, let me, let, me, let me tell this to you. There is no such thing. This does not exist. A Christian who doesn't want to go to church. <laughs> that is just like, that is just don't exist. Okay? Because this is where God meets us. And in, in a, for a Christian person, this is where you need to be in the fellowship of believers, where we can lift one another up and help each other, help each other bear one another's burdens and pray for each other. Yeah, you know. I want to read you something, and then I'm going to pick this apart, and I'm going to call call this an end here. In Hebrews chapter ten. This is, and I love, again, the way this New Century Version just amplifies the meaning in this. I want to read this to you. This is Hebrews chapter 10, 26 through 31. I want you to listen to this, this message because it's very important. And the, in my conversation that I have with this, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. You know, this statement kind of question. My response to this person was this. If we decide to go on sinning after we have learned the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice for sins. There is nothing but fear in waiting for the judgment and terrible fire that will destroy all of those who live against God. Anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was found guilty from the proof given by two or three witnesses. He was put to death without mercy. So what do you think should be done to those who do not respect the Son of God, but who look at the blood of the agreement that made them holy as no different from others' blood who insult the Spirit of grace? Surely they should have a much worse punishment. We know that God said, I will punish those who do wrong. I will repay. And, the God, and God also said, the Lord will judge His people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 through 31. Again, it said, without mercy, those people was put to death. And then it says, so what do you think should be done to those who do not respect Jesus? Okay, we're not talking about disrespecting the law of Moses where there was nothing more than goat's blood and oxen and things of that. But what about Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God who shed his blood on a cross and you're not going to come to the house of the Lord? The, the Son of the Living God gave His life for you. Okay, okay, I don't, I, I shouldn't have to go beyond that. But when we sit and we think about this, heaven's best came, and He didn't have to. He didn't have to, but because He loves you so much, because He loves you and adores you so much. 
Christ came and gave his life for us. And he called these men together and made them holy and blessed them so that they would record his words and his deeds so that we would see him and know him and hear him. The plan of God is this Bible that you have and that you read. The ability to see Jesus walk in times far in the future from when he did came from the mind of God for your benefit. That you can read this Bible and you can hear Jesus' words and you can have a mental picture of Christ and you can see His sufferings and see His great love for you and how He died for you and became the bridge between earth and heaven that man can walk across to make it by believing in Him. Why would you not want to come? That's the only kind of drugs I take. Just drag me to church. I, that, that, I'll, I'll go. Get me there. Because I want to be... In. The Bible says, David said, let us go into the house of the Lord. When they said, let us go into the house of the Lord, he said, I'll, I was glad. Okay? That same love of God and fondness of the Spirit should be found, must be found, in every believer. It is the secret of your success to know the Word. So these are three questions that I typically get asked. I was asked these questions probably multiple times over the last couple weeks. And so I thought I would bring these questions to the church and we would answer them in sermon form. And I'll bring others as well, because there's a lot of questions, you know, what does the Bible say about this, Pastor Jay? And I'm experiencing this, Pastor Jay, and I was doing this, what does the Bible say, dot, 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 on our blog thing many years ago, and I stopped doing that. But the Bible has simple truths in it that you must follow to have success. Okay? Come to the house of the Lord. Never forsake it. It is the place where you will gather strength and strength of heart and spirit and God will bless you and He'll lift you up and He'll make you strong. For the coming days, you need the Word. And God's Word will bring you comfort and it will bring you peace inside your heart when you face difficult times like I've had to go through. Man, I can't tell you the days that I sat in my camper down there and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And the times that I walked them, them woods down there this past, and this has been cold and it's been wet and it was nice and it was muddy and it was all kinds of different things. But I walked through there and I walked with the Lord and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I read the Word and I meditated on God day and night. And it's the only thing that can really bring you spiritual strength is the Word of God. Cultivate your relationship with Him.